Salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I am Liam Odano. And you are listening to episode 137 That's, of Hard Business. You sound exhausted. Are you okay? No, I was doing the little kid from Malcolm in the Middle who was in the oh, wheelchair. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, deep cut. Deep cut. I mean, I've never watched a full episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Neither have I. But, oh, you know, wow. Yeah, you know, I know. Uh, today we're going to be doing two films. Uh, I described this to one of my friends as movies from the 80s and 90s that were made for children but shouldn't have been allowed to exist. I mean, in a sense, you could consider these children's horror movies, though I would suggest only one is intended to be a horror movie. Like, so, okay, so we're doing Return to Oz and and The Witches. The Witches is a kid's horror movie. That's what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Return to Oz is not a kid's horror movie. It's just a kid's movie that is horrifying. Yeah, like I was watching, that's the, we'll we'll get there, but I was watching this and I was like, The Witches really only has one, like, scary moment. And it's the movie, if you've seen The Witches, you know the scene we're talking about. That's the only real, like... You know, there's like a talk, there's like witches, of course, so that's scary, but like there's only one real horrific, unsettling moment in The Witches. Um, I didn't feel safe the entire time I was watching Return to Oz. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, The Witches is obviously based off of, um, is that, wait, is it Rudyard Kipling? Who no, wrote it's Roald Roll, Roll Dahl. Dahl. Okay, I get those two. I get my... Uh, Racist old British men confused. Well, right? I, I look at it this way. Roll doll hates children. Rudyard Kipling hates black people. Yeah, right. That's right. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. So this is Roll Dahl, uh, which is and, it, and, and I think it was always meant to be a mildly spooky children's story. But, it, you know, whatever. Uh, Return to Oz is an amalgamation of two oz books right uh yes ozma of oz and i forget what the other one's called but it's not just one of those books it's 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 two of those books together and here's the thing about it though there are multiple references in the movie to the original wizard of oz movie it is not a direct sequel to the wizard of oz movie in any real way uh but you just got here's the thing if you're making an oz property you got to put the ruby slippers in, even though they made that shit up for the movie. That's not in the book. For people who haven't read the book, there's no ruby slippers in the book. There are silver shoes that she loses, but they're not the same as the ruby slippers. So in a sense, even though the director was really clear that he didn't intend this as a sequel to the movie, it's a sequel to the movie, right? It's got the ruby slippers in it. It's got to be a sequel to the movie, but it's not really a sequel to the movie, and that's fucking weird. Yeah, it's it's just this... I don't even fucking know what it is like. It, you know what it kind of is? It's kind of like when they soft rebooted the X-Men movies where they were just like, uh, now we fucked with the timeline so we can do whatever we want. And you're like, I guess, I guess we could do that. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> 
it's sort of the same thing because there's a source material, right? The Oz books. And so the guy's like, I'm drawing from the Oz books. But it's like, you're not drawing directly. You smushed two different books together and changed characters. And then you took stuff from the other movie. So like, it's a sequel to the movie. I don't care what the fuck you say, but it's not, right? Like anyone watching this who thought, oh, this is a direct sequel to The Wizard of Oz and didn't know anything about the books, you'd be fucking confused. And the the thesis of this episode horrified by some aspects of what goes on in the movie. A lot of what goes on in the movie was fucking we'll get there. Um Anyway, before we go any further, we have a few people we should thank. Of course, we'd like to thank you, our patrons on patreon.com. Now, as I've said a lot, uh we don't do this out of hope of making a profit because profits are evil and capitalism is wrong, but unfortunately, we live in a capitalist society and running a podcast website comes with some costs and you guys help offset those costs through your lovely donations on Patreon. If you would like to help us offset the cost of running a website, you can head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. We'd also like to thank the, um, decent people over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. That's the best you could do. Best I could do. <laughs> now, if I wanted to get a t-shirt made that said, um, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I, I can't even, to be honest, I woke up like 20 minutes ago. I cannot fucking think of anything funny to say. Oh, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're a billionaire, explore the sea. That's a, that'd be cool. There we go. There we go. I mean, that. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, xlvacx.com. That's where you want to get it printed. They'd help you out. They do a long sleeve, a hoodie, sweatpants, a, 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 a cod piece, whatever it is. They'll, they'll help you out, get stuff printed, get your merch things done. You know, you got a podcast you want to promote, get some merch through LVAC. Maybe you're part of a softball league. I guess that's a thing, or a mm -hmm. drinking club, or mm -hmm. you do weed. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you love Joey Chestnut and you want to support him as the yeah, future of human evolution. Have you heard this intro they did for Joey Chestnut at this fucking hot dog thing? No. Yeah, they played something. Like I, I'm sure it's a. It's kind of a joke, but. Not only were they hailing his skills as a man who shoves hot dogs down his throat, they were saying that he has exceeded the limits of human evolution and proven that there is no such limits and that we will continue to grow as a species. That's what they said to introduce him at the hot dog eating competition. What? No. No. I, I mean, he did eat. Set, set, what did he eat? Sixty nine hot dogs. Wonderful. Sweet. I don't care. I don't care how many hot dogs he eat. He is nice. not. Uh, decades of indoctrination have taught me that the next stage of human evolution is when you, you fuck end an up, alien. Well, no, I was going to say you go to Xavier School for gifted gifted yeah. youngsters. Well, now you go to Krakoa, actually. In the well, whatever. In the current yeah, it, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. But until the Sentinels try to kill Joey Chestnut, I will not believe that he is a member of. He is a. He is the the, the future of human evolution. So if you want to get a shirt that says Joey Chestnut is just good at deep throating glizzies, he's not a mutant, then go to xlvcx.com. Uh,
Yeah, I actually got it right. Okay, cool. Uh, of course, we want to also thank our friends over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, you know, it, it's easy. Aaron Dahlbeck is over there. He's roasting coffee for you. He roasts it for you when you order it, so it's fresh. He has a bunch of high-quality coffee, and if you have questions about coffee, he's there to answer you. He also has herbal tea, or I, I guess he has all kinds of tea, actually. I just always say herbal when I think of tea. Uh, and he's got merch as well. So uh, the best part about Essex Coffee Roasters, I think, is that you get 10% off when you enter in the code CINEPUNX. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. So uh, go do that. Um, also, I have a t-shirt company, uh, Rough Cut Fan Club, roughcutfanclub.com. And as always, we want to thank our buddy Sharky for making this episode sound great. If you have a media project you feel like you need help with, Sharky is here to help you out. Mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Now. Okay. Now comes the time in the in the podcast. Oh yeah. When I um a doctor of medicine am about to um uh perform electrostatic shock therapists on a young girl who was clearly in need of like actual medical assistance yes real help real help she is clearly suffering from trauma about losing her parents um her aunt and uncle are not good people i don't care what anyone says um i have the fucking the the instruments of her destruction these weird electric headphones in my hand and i'm about to at least at least reduce her mental capabilities by 30%. I turn to Liam and I say, who's in the corner, like charging up the fucking Magneto that we're going to use for this thing. Um, and I ask him, Liam, what have you done involving Har recently? You know what? Not, not a lot, Justin. And I, and I don't want to take up too much time here either because I know you have a ton, but I do want to mention, I caught Brooklyn 45. Uh, okay. Which you said you saw, which is the Ted Gahagan uh movie people know him because he directed we're still here and mohawk and maybe just those two i don't know does he directed other things i'm not sure i want to say he has but i'm not sure yeah he's he does a lot of pr stuff though so anyone listening who does harsh stuff themselves has probably gotten emails from ted uh and he's pretty active on twitter too anyways uh this is this movie is uh i think you talked about maybe this maybe on an episode already but uh i hadn't gotten a chance to see it uh it is you know kind of a horror movie also kind of a interesting like chambered drama at the same time Mm -hmm. uh and very much a movie about war and about trauma in war and about the lies we tell ourselves to justify doing horrible things in war. Uh, I thought it was really good, actually. You know, it's it's not the most exciting horror movie probably I'll see this year, but I thought it was well acted. I fucking, uh, I love, what's his name? The director guy who was in it. Uh, Larry Fessenden? Yes, I love Amazing. Larry Fessenden. He's just one of my favorite people in the world. I thought the other performances were all really strong. I like that they are, there were certain questions that they never resolved because they didn't need to, right? The situation was horrifying without knowing the full sort of reveal, you know? And I I thought that was smart. And it ended in a way that was truly depressing. So there you go. Uh, Really bummed me out as a movie. And I got to say, good good work on that. It it somehow managed to have some really funny moments while being overall a super fucking bummer of a movie in the best possible way. So, you know, again, I don't know that it's like, 
the scariest movie you'll see this year or even the most exciting movie you'll see this year per se. But I thought it was really well executed and it left me feeling a little a little bit haunted, a little bit haunted. So I appreciate that. I mean, one thing I liked about it is that it, it kind of like um, I'm currently listening to the last podcast in the left series about the Manhattan Project. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they one of the things they talk about is how like the pilot of the Enola Gay milk that for every fucking scent he could get like that guy was like i'll do it again put me up there blah 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 the co-pilot though was um let's say not as enthusiastic about the fact that he had helped murder a quarter million innocent people um and it was kind of like there's this idea there's a i won't say a theme but one of the things in 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 brooklyn 55 that that becomes interesting is like 45 45 is how there's a character in there who was hailed as a hero because he did what he did. And now the fucking, the pinkos in, 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 in Capitol Hill, they want to bring him down. They want to say, like, he did something wrong. And when it's convenient for, for, for the higher-ups, this guy's a hero. But the second it becomes a liability, then they're like, oh, no, why don't we talk about what you, like, what you did? Like, let's talk about, like, the atrocities that you did. And he's like, yep. Yeah, I did that because you guys told me to. I was, you know, it was, and it was just, it, it was interesting because it was like, how many times has that played out where it's like, there are people who did terrible things at the best of their superiors, and the second it becomes like, um, inconvenient for said superiors, they're just like left out in the wind. Oh, well, I, I mean, you could argue that the almost the entire veteran class of people in this country there have been left out in the wind yes. after being sent into truly awful situations. And let's be clear, y'all. I am not. Justin is a lot more sensitive to uh, people who served. I'm I'm very not into the military. I'm really not a fan of 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 wars. And, and I don't laud people who you know, probably made what they thought was the right decision, but I think was a really bad decision to have made. However, those people did what they were told they should do, and then we treat them like trash. And as much as I think what they did was not the right thing, we are at minimum obligated to fulfill our promises, especially if we're going to continue to pretend that we care about soldiers. Like, that is the great lie of this country is like, we only care about soldiers to the extent that it animates our populace and causes us not to question military actions. The minute that you're done, I mean, even when you're over there, we're not really spending the money to protect you, right? No. Like we're not spending the money on the armor and all that shit that we need to do. But when you get back, it's the most obvious that we're like, oh, okay, I know we like really broke your brain. So you'd be good at murder, but like now you have to fuck off and get a job. And like, we really can't worry about you anymore you know and uh yeah that's it's disgusting to me as someone who thinks every you know person who acts in a war has maybe committed a crime that is still disgusting to me because i think not everyone i think there are people who go in for all kinds of wrong reasons but it that doesn't really matter a lot of people went for the right reasons and even the people who didn't go they went in under an idea that they were going to be treated a certain way and at minimum we owe them like human dignity right like oh, we yeah. may not owe them to be rich for the rest of their lives or some crazy thing like that but people who went into these positions they 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 did sacrifice things you know and while you could argue that people also get something out of it as well 
uh, we need to take care of people. And and the worst part is we pretend that we do. Like it's it's not just the crime of not taking care of these veterans, right? Which I think is actually a little bit at play in this movie, right? Uh, it's that we pretend that we do. We still talk like, yeah, that we take care of folks. And it's like the evidence is everywhere that that's just a lie. It's just a fake thing. It's we a said massive lie. That's not real. Yeah. Bums me out so it's like one of the worst things in, in the world to me, you know. And uh, whatever. Anyways, uh, Brooklyn for- Forty Five. I think again, I, you know, I don't know that it'll work for everybody, but for me, I thought it was really well done. That's some really sharp edges to it that I appreciated. Uh, other than that, I haven't had a chance to watch a ton of horror. I will say, every once in a while, I, you know, I do like a. I'm surprised how much horror is in certain things. Uh, I've gotten recently reobsessed with. Something we already brought up here today. The X-Men. Did I tell you about this? Yeah, we were talking about it like last episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been so obsessed, dude. It's like getting to be out of control how much I'm reading the X-Men. And uh, it's not a big surprise, but just for those of you who maybe aren't comic book nerds, there's so much horror shit in the X-Men. Like, it's always sort of under the surface, you know? Uh, There's always just this moment where the X-Men is going to spill over and be about possession or demons or uh, become some sort of, like, uh, dominatrix drama. You know what I mean? Like, especially, like, anything that's influenced by Claremont. Like, I really think Claremont wanted to be writing, like, uh, violent sex movies. I think that's what he really <laughs> wanted to be writing because he's always taking these heroes and then injecting like weird leather straps, like all kinds of like uh, 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 scary demonic things. Like you could definitely have a mutant world that didn't involve so much magic, but you know, it's all sort of under the surface. And I think this recent, again, recent, I'm still a couple years behind. Like I think I'm only up to like 2021 maybe uh, in this whole run of like re done x-men so i don't know that i've i might hit something soon that i think sucks but at least from the beginning of hickman stuff to where i'm at now it's a lot of fun and it goes a lot of different directions and i keep being surprised by it but the part that i keep finding really fun is all the parts where i'm like oh that's creepy i like that that's fucked up okay that's fun you know so but that's about it i haven't had a chance to catch a lot of other horror movies lately how about you justin well, um, let's talk about what I've done involving horror recently. If you've been following me on the social medias, you have seen uh, when it comes to movies, I recently partook in the virtual screenings at Chattanooga Film Fest and saw a ton of horror and honestly a few really good like just right like not horror films. Um you can head to cinepunks.com and check out my review for a lot of those. I don't want to take up any more airspace than I already have. I will say that um, some of the movies that I saw that really stood out to me were uh, there was a film called Stag that I thought was quite good. Um, a film called The Bigfoot Trap that I thought was quite, quite good. Um, I won't be writing a review for it just because I don't think... I, I've written so many already that it's kind of like, why do any more? Um, there was a film from Chile called Invoking Yell that was about a all-girl uh, black metal band. Um, and they accidentally, you know, they're out like they're all out in the woods like fucking around and doing like teenage black metal shit and they accidentally like invoke something. So that was pretty cool. Um because it involves like mo- movies directly, uh, I saw a documentary called king on screen which is about the works of like stephen king that have been translated to the screen both 
television and the silver screen. And it was interesting seeing like the, the parts that fascinated, fascinated me the most were like, uh, the, the sections on like Frank Darabont who did like the Shawshank Redemption, the Green Mile and the Mist. And, um, just hearing him talking about those movies and how he got them made was fascinating because like, obviously the Shawshank Redemption is not a horror movie, but it is like objectionably one of the greatest films of all time. And it's one of my favorite movies. So hearing the guy who made it talk about how he made it was good. Um, and there was a pretty sizable section of the film dedicated to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which is also going to come up in a few minutes and something else that I did. Um, and just hearing actual filmmakers talk about how they feel about that movie and how they feel about how it relates to Stephen King. And then not only that, but like there was a few filmmakers who were at the premiere of The Shining back in like what night was that? 80, 81. And how poorly received that film was among Stephen King fans back in the day. That was something I didn't know about. Like, I, th I want to say it was Mick Garris was at a premiere screening of that movie where it was like a bunch of Stephen King fans who were super hyped to see this movie um, premiere. And then when it was over, they were just like, that was fucking garbage. Like, they couldn't get past, like, how... I mean, I, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, and I'm not the last, but, like, if you don't know, um, Stephen King very famously does not like that version because it doesn't really adhere to his uh, source material. But it was just, it was neat to hear people who were there talk about it. Um, and then, what are what are some other actually horror movies? So, yeah, that was Chattanooga Film Fest. Head to Cinepunks.com. That's where, like, most of my reviews are. I think I have, like, seven or eight up there. I want to get to, like, 12 at least um before i call it a day um another thing i did is i took a uh mondays are my day off and the fourth of july fell on a tuesday this year so i took a long weekend and went out to colorado for a few days went to a few national parks um went to some weird castle that some insane right-wing lunatic built and I went to the Stanley Hotel, which, if you don't know, was the place where Stephen King was staying when he was inspired to write The Shining. And um, it was pretty wild. Like, we did, like, a Stephen King tour, which was just about, like, it was, like, a tour of the hotel. And, like, oh, this is where it was built. And this is, like, this is the ballroom that Stephen King was in that inspired him to write this scene and this is the bar where he's at where he met a bartender named Lloyd when he and his wife were trapped here on the last day of the season and this is that and this is the other thing and it was really cool to see all this stuff but the highlight of the highlight of my night was um for those of you who don't of you who don't know the story Stephen King and his wife um they were living in Boulder at the time the Stanley Hotel is about like an hour north of Boulder and they were driving around up there and they stopped at this hotel on the very last day it was opening before like it closed down for the winter. And it was like crewed by a skeletal skeleton crew and they were the only people there. So they stayed there for the night. They got the presidential suite room 217, mm. which if you, if you, if you know, you know, and, um, it was just this neat, it was just neat hearing about how like, he started, ha he had this nightmare about his son being murdered in the hallway outside of room 217. And then he got up, you know, went, found a desk 
in the hotel. Like he was, I need a place to write. And he wrote the outline of The Shining that night. And he included like a lot, a little, a little, a lot of the little tidbits from around the hotel into this book. And so after the tour, uh, my friend and I are standing in like the main lobby, and there's like a staircase that goes like, uh, like up into the guts of the hotel. And there's this couple there, and they're like taking pictures of themselves like on the hotel, on on the staircase. So me, being the eternal good Samaritan and ever helpful traveler, I was like, "Hey, do you guys want a picture of the two of you? I can take a picture of you." And then I take a picture of this guy and his 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 wife. And then I make an offhand joke about like, "Oh, I'm trying to work up the courage to like run up those stairs and just run to room 217 and take my picture outside of it and run down before the hotel staff can like stop me." And this lady is like. Well, that's like our room, so you can just come up and look at it if you want. So it's like, okay. So we got a chance to go up there and go in this room, the presidential suite. It's so cool. Yeah, where Stephen and Tabitha King stayed back in back in the 70s. And um that's the room. Uh, you know, if you're if if you've never read the book and you've only seen the movie, that's the move that's the room where like the fucking lady in the bathtub was in, and they haven't changed it since they stayed there. So it's it was it was a it was a moment like it was cool to be able to get to experience this little bit of horror history that um I don't know it was just wild because like when you when you when you read I, I of, of course then had to read the shining and doctor sleep and it's like um it's just nuts like reading the reading the shining it really it's crazy imagining like being in the places that uh inspired him to write these you know that this terrifying book about trying to kill your son. I was unfortunate. I, I wasn't able to get down to the basement and see the boiler, and you know, yell about a bunch of shit. But you know, what do you want? Um. And then uh, last night I went to the movies and saw uh, the newest and apparently last uh, Insidious movie, The Red Door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? Yeah. Um. I gave it a solid B plus. Um, okay. It had a really cool story. Like the actual story was very cool. The way they executed it wasn't wasn't the best, um, but it was neat. It was a uh, it was legit scary, and plus the fucking ending. Oh my god! You people have heard me rant about this on Instagram. The ending had the song that played over the credits was the band Ghost covering Shakespeare's sister, who were like a, I guess like pop. They were like colleagues of the Smiths, obviously at the time. They were covering one of their songs, and like Patrick's Patrick Wilson had like done the like the the like the vocals on it, and like, oh my god, it's like the most ethereally beautiful thing I've ever heard. Um, and combined with the, the theme of the movie of like what it you know how it's like, you know, don't go into this fucking like weird mystifying realm. Like, let me go with you. Don't go alone. I don't know. It was just, uh, it was an experience. Like I said, it wasn't like, it wasn't the best. I, I, I'd say it was, it was not as good as the first one, but I'd say it's definitely better than the rest of them, but that's not really saying much. Cause I, I, I don't really think much of the rest of the insidious movies. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. I, I, I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah. I'm curious about it, but I haven't made an effort to see it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's definitely it's absolutely worth uh worth checking out. And let me just make sure I didn't see anything else. I watched Asylum, the sequel to uh, Anthropophagus. 
Oh, not Asylum. Uh, absurd. Uh, absurd. Yeah. yeah. Not as not as good as Anthropophagus, unfortunately. I thought that might be the case, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, you know, I didn't I haven't really done much involving horror. Yeah, just just a million movies. Just a just a million things, you know. Oh, I went to the grave of Alfred Packer, the uh you know, for you Cannibal Corpse fans, the first record is dedicated to him. He was that frontier man who killed and murdered killed and murdered. Killed and ate five of his companions and ate them. I went to his grave out in Colorado. That was a uh, that was interesting. This this that's all I related. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, other than that, yeah, that's all I've done. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1985's dark fantasy, The Return to Oz. We'll be right back. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Belina, you don't understand. This was the yellow brick road. You share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before, and this is the Oz you'll want to visit again and again. From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. Why don't we just fly back to Kansas? Return to Oz. And we are back to talk about 1985's dark fantasy film released by Walt Disney Pictures uh, co-written and directed by Walter Murch um, you know fun fact about this I that little girl in the movie I was like she looks like someone but I can't quite place and I thought it was a friend of the podcast Andrew McArdle's daughter because she looks exactly like her <laughs> I was like, that's what it has to be she looks like Megan that's what I'm thinking of then I was like I like looked it up I was like oh no that's Feruza Balk from the craft uh huh M was one of Many, many people to audition for this role, including uh, uh, f- uh, very young Alanis Morissette. Whoa. Yeah, it was like a big search. Drew Barrymore. A lot of people tried to get this role. And this was uh, Feruza Bulk's first feature film. She'd only done a few TV movies before this. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Now, this movie is just as fucking terrifying as, as the original Wizard of the Oz. It's just it's like, I mean, I I think like the original Wizard of the Oz has like a few like inadvertently scary moments, mm-hmm. like when the scarecrow gets like torn to pieces and it's like, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has an has an atmosphere of straight up terror. From the first from the first frame to the end, like, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but like when Dorothy is like laying in bed, like looking out the window, I got the feeling that we were to expect like perhaps a flying monkey or something like that to like peek through the window and and, and startle her. Um, but I, I just like I was just like kind of fucked and like upset from like the beginning of this movie to the very end. 
I just wasn't having a good time with this movie. I mean, I think um, there are moments in Oz that are not as horrifying as others. But I will say, when we start in Kansas, in the I, some people online when they write about this say the real world. I th- I don't think that's fair, right? Because unlike in the original Wizard of Oz, where Oz is a dream, in this version, Oz exists. Oz is a real place, right? Because yeah. she can go back there. It's not just that she got shocked in her brain cells or something. She can go to Oz, and it's a real place. And Oz has an effect on our world. All this stuff like that, right? So. Um, when she's in Kansas, that gets as scary as some of the other stuff in the movie, right? Because she just can't give up on this Oz thing. So her parent, I mean, I think any experience where a child who, you know, I get that she might have an overactive imagination, but that her parents are like, I guess we'll just put you in this home now. Like, I guess we'll just let these doctors have you for a while and that'll be okay. And then we're in this scary home for, you know, upset children. Uh, uh, other mental patients might be there. I don't know. But she's there. there. She sees other kids there. And they're, you know, night one, they're like, all right, we're just going to shock you with this thing we made up. We just got this thing. We don't know what we're not sure yet how it's going to work out. But uh, but I'm sure it'll be fine. We're going to just zap your oh, brain. Y- you missed the part where the doctor says. The brain produces electricity. Sometimes mm-hmm. it produces too much electricity, and that's where our dreams come from. So we're going to take some of the electricity away. And it's like, that is not at all how no. the human brain works. No. That's just insanity to say that. I mean, I don't I don't know, but I think this is true, right? They were doing electroshock therapy in the 1800s, right? Because this is supposed to be 1899 at this point. Yeah. it's. I mean, they, they, here's the thing. They absolutely were, but it was a... Um, it was a method of trial and error where the mm-hmm, error mm-hmm. was people who were fucking, um, catatonic. And it's worth keeping in mind too, that even in the context of the movie, it's horrible, right? But it's also more horrifying if you're anyone who knows the history of mental health in this country. So, you know, people going into asylums in the late 1800s, these were not just people who had actual mental health conditions that we recognize now. This was also like women who didn't enjoy sex, women who enjoyed sex too much, Uh, uh, queer people, you know, Uh, people who uh, probably just had Tourette's or had epilepsy or, you know what I mean? Like the, the broad variety of people who were forced to go to these places it's it's one of those things where we fucked up mental health so badly for so long that like you know anyone who knows anything we've talked about this before on this show but just a quick recap for any newer listeners one of the reasons we had a sudden jump in homelessness in the 80s wasn't just the economy it was that we shut down the mental health facilities right we shut down the places where people were basically imprisoned right And it's important to realize that, you know, that was like the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, right? We were so scarred from how badly we fucked up mental health that like no one now could say, let's just go back to that, right? Because it was such a scar on our psyche that the very idea that you would open up a place to like put folks who are dealing with mental health stuff, automatically people go, well, that sounds like a a horrible thing. 
but it, it doesn't have to be right. You could definitely have like a nice place where people go, but for hundreds of years, it was like, no, anyone we don't like, or we find frustrating, we're just going to put them in this place and we're going to drill into their brains and we're going to zap them with electricity and uh, fuck it. I'm sure it's fine. Or we put Kellogg in charge and he shoves oatmeal up their ass, whatever it yeah. is. You know? I mean, it's, it's, it's important to remember that it, all Dorothy was doing was having trouble sleeping uh-huh. and talk and talking about Oz, which the f- the second one that could be a little kid saying they have an imaginary friend. Right. So it's yes. like they put a child suffering from insomnia into a mental institution, which is like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know, not just like any mental institution, but like. Fucking what's his face from Dracula? The guy like the, you know, this, uh, uh it, it's just, it's terrible. That's how this movie starts out is they're about to torture a child who can't sleep. Yes. And it's important for those listening who haven't seen the movie. If you've seen the wizard of Oz, the thing about the wizard of Oz is that you've got the witch, right? The wicked witch of the West. You've got the monkey guys who serve her, right? For the most part, the rest of, of Oz seems pretty fucking chill. Right. Like it's kind of scary, but like for the most part, it's not so bad in this movie. She shows up in the other world and everything wants to hurt her from beginning to end. Like everywhere she goes is danger and evil and things that want to destroy her. And her only companions are a talking chicken. And a wind up clock man who just keeps forgetting to wind up all his various parts. Yeah, not only is he a wind-up clock man, but they hint to him being some sort of great badass, but he's yeah. completely useless because he ha- yeah. he has he has to be wound up. Yeah, it's it is funny how they you'd think there'd be at least one moment in the movie where he does something badass. Since like the whole thesis is that if he's wound up all the way, he's real unstoppable. There is not one second in this movie where he does anything cool. He's uh, just he fucks up the wheelers. That's pretty oh, cool. That's and he, true. That is he true. fucking that's slaps true. that one guy. He like be, he beats the one wheeler into submission. He's like, you will tell me where the, the, the gnome king is. And he's like, I can't tell you. And he's like, you will tell me. Ah! Like The wheelers. I love I, how the wheelers are just terrified of him for whatever reason. I had to fucking look it up. I was convinced the wheelers were not from the books. That this was some shit. Someone working at Disney was like, yeah, that fucking... Roller skate guys, man. They got roller skates for their hands and their feet, man. It's fucking crazy. Like that's what I was picturing. That shit's in the book, man. Wheelers are in the book. What is I don't like it. I feel like I know that these were kids' books, but maybe it's just a reality that when you translate certain children's media to live action, it's gonna be a goddamn nightmare. Because yeah. the the talking dead moose. That they strap, not a fan. They strap not a into fan. like a flying couch. Also not fun. I don't know that any of the things that should be silly be, in this movie that come from the books are silly. There's nothing that there's a y'all. There's a there's a well, is she a witch queen? What? I don't know what she I guess she's Dude. a witch. There's a there's a scary lady who switches her heads out and she's got all these different heads because she murdered a bunch of women and took their heads. And now she could switch a bunch of different heads for whatever mood that she's in. It's and it's done in a way that's like, you know, uh, there are certain failures here of special effects because they cut the budget of this thing. This thing was supposed to be a 20 million dollar movie and 
Disney started to lose their nerve and they sent in a new producer and the producer cut it down to 16 million. And there are certain moments where you can see some of the seams. For example, Scarecrow, his face doesn't move. He's just Yeah, and it's the scariest thing in the entire it's, movie. It's fucking haunting. But I'll tell you what, the lady who takes her head off, I get that that's technically cheap special effects. But for a kid, I could see watching that being like, well, I'm fucked up. That lady yeah. took her head off and put a new head on. That's fuck crazy. The only part of the special effects that looks kind of rusty to me, really, in a way that's like distracting, it's just the Gnome King himself, right? Uh, okay, so hear me out. Okay. The Okay, so the, I, I, I love the Gnome King. Um, oh, he, he's like the fucking... It's his like assistant who like yes can, like yes. who can like travel through rock. I don't know if you remember the 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 the, the, the NES game Wizards and Warriors, but it, there's a character that kind of reminds me of that. I thought that was cool as shit. How there's so they're just walk around and occasionally this face will just open up on a rock and be like, "Man, we know what they're doing." <laughs> the chicken. <laughs> um, the very end when we find out that somehow eggs are poisoned to to to, to gnomes who knew <laughs> when the gnome king starts to fall apart <laughs> uh it becomes the end of the first evil dead movie when they <laughs> when they use no that's fair that's fair it actually. was so upsetting because it's this he's this giant is this fucking giant thing he's about to eat i think it's the the um what's it jack pumpkin head who uh, that alone is like okay and jack is like pleading for his life and things like <laughs> and then a chicken pops out of his head and shits an egg down his throat and she's like everybody knows that eggs are poisoned to gnomes <laughs> and this thing starts to rot and fall apart and it's so fucking it's, like it's oh inappropriate for children God. there's no reason for children there's to no that. reason to show that the whole scene is like what the fuck are they doing? Why are, like why is this this is like not cool for kids. So, Jack Pumpkinhead was a direct inspiration for Jack Skellington in uh Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Oh, I can see that. And I uh, can absolutely see that. And if you see Jack Pumpkinhead, here's the thing. Illustrations of Jack Pumpkinhead in the Oz books cuz um I've only read a, like one other Oz book besides the original Wizard of Oz. I had a bunch of them when I was a kid. I just didn't find them that interesting, but I did look at the pictures a lot when I was a kid. And um, the illustrations of Jack Pumpkinhead, he he looks fun. He looks whimsical. And to that extent, you see that in Jack Skellington. Jack Skellington is a fucking skeleton, but he's he's whimsical. He's fun. This live action Jack Pumpkinhead is not fucking whimsical, right? No. It's, I mean, this is what it is. It boils down to, right? Is that like, because, you know, there was some dumb note on, uh, on IMDb talking about the influence of this movie on Tim Burton, right? Uh, you know, Merch, what's, I don't forget, what is the director's first name? I know his last name is Merch, but I forget. I think name. it's Walter. Okay. Walter Merch does not have the sense of whims whimsy that Tim Burton does. Because as much as I am over Tim Burton now, Tim Burton's original projects, even when they were haunting, were also silly and fun. Like, there's some really weird shit in Beetlejuice but the spirit of Beetlejuice is fun. Yeah. I think this movie is meant to be similarly whimsical and it is a fucking nightmare from top to bottom. It's just crazy how there is to me, there's one or two moments I think that reach the level of like, 
fun silliness that I think it wants to get to. For the most part, this is nightmare fuel, and I don't know that Merch, like, he seems like, you know, if this is what's in his head, he seems like the kind of guy that, like, if you leave him alone with your kids, he's going to tell them what he thinks is a really fun story, and then they're going to come to you crying, right? Like, yeah. that's the vibe I'm getting here, because this is not, I, I, and I, I want to be clear, I did not not enjoy watching this. Like, it's it's kind of a fun watch in some ways. It's It's not so good that I would be like, yeah, everyone should check it out. You know, we had to watch it for the episode. I'm not mad I watched it. I'd seen it before, but I'd forgotten a lot of it. Whatever. But the idea that, like, there were parents who took their, like, seven-year-old children, maybe, to see this thing in the theater, because they're like, oh, yeah, Wizard of Oz. I remember that from when I was a kid. I'm sure this will be great. No fucking way, man. Like, this is guaranteed therapy session. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot. I mean, even if you talk about, like, the whole idea that, like, how Jack Pumpkinhead kept asking Dorothy if he could call her mother. Nightmare. Fucking nightmare, man. Not into it. Even when Ozma shows up and it's like, oh, it's because she's the, you know, princess and she created him and she's his real mother and all this shit like that. That doesn't make it any better, man. It's, it's again, it's both the imagery, which is very scary. Like the wheelers, it should be funny, right? They have wheels for hands and legs. They giggle a lot. That should be fun. It's not fun. They're nightmare material. But it's not just the visuals. There's so many dark... El- I, mean, I mean, again, when, when we say this opens up with Feruza Bulk's Dorothy about to be fucking tortured by these mad scientist doctors, that might sound silly to a certain listener. Like, there might be people out there who are like, oh, it sounds like a good time. It's not. It's so dark. It's, it's dark like a drama. And there are multiple things like that in this movie where you're like, a bit darker than it needs to be you know that's a bit Mm -hmm. more sad yeah and i guess that's the thing when i say dark i don't mean like it's not like there's gore in the movie there's not a lot of jump scares though there are some jump scares in the movie it's just as well as being kind of scary for a kid's movie it's also got a bummer tinge to it which i don't mean as a criticism as a piece of art, but I do mean as a criticism as a parent. Like when, when we talked about this, I was like, yeah, it's fucked up, but I could watch it with Maeve. I think we'll have fun watching it. And, you know, I ended up not having time. I had to watch it without her. I'm so fucking glad I watched it without her. She would have nightmares, man. It's scary shit. It's, it's just so, I mean, the whole thing is like, even if like, okay, let's say they never leave Kansas. You know, Kansas, turn of the century Kansas. What a wonderful place in the United States to live. Turn of the century, Kansas. Uh-huh. N- not at all about on the brink or when, when, when did the Dust Bowl happen? That was like what? Was that the early 1900s or late 1800s? Uh, probably early 1900s. Yeah. Uh, so that's about to happen. It's, uh, it's just everything about this movie is just so uh, just dark. Like Liam said, dark on so many levels. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I am one of those people who does think the original Wizard of Oz is, in its own way, a classic. I don't rewatch it all the time, but every time I do, I'm a little surprised how much I still think it's it's you know really fun and really well done. And you know, yes, there's some horrifying aspects to it, like the green paint being poison or uh, getting burned as she goes through the hole. Like they, you know, it, it was that time in filmmaking when being an actor could get you killed, right? Uh, still though. 
it's really great in a lot of ways. There's still a veneer, though, on that movie. I don't care how scary anyone finds the Wicked Witch. And she is kind of scary. And I get when people say, when I was a kid, I was so scared of her. The overall vibe of that movie is still fucking bubblegum sky. I mean, just the fact that when she's in Kansas, that seems like a nice place where nice people live. Nothing about Dorothy's Kansas in this movie makes me go like, man, I hope she gets back to Kansas soon. You're kind of like, I don't know, Dorothy, stay at Oz. I don't know why you want to go home. (laughs) Like they're still looking for you. They're still going to try to take you back to get, uh, you know, for electroshock therapy. If you, if you go there, like. I got to say, uh, Faruza bulk, not an annoying child actress. You know, I wouldn't say she's great in the movie. Like this is not something you're watching for her amazing performance per se, but you know, I can picture other Dorothy's being super fucking annoying and she is not that at all. And she was only 10 at the time. So it's not like she had a lot of acting experience. I think she was good. A lot of the performances that aren't dolls or creatures or special effects are also caricatures. Like most of the other people in the movie are caricatures, but that actually heightens the feeling of surreality to it all. You know, the feeling of like weird reality bending nightmare of it is heightened by some of these performances that are so high pitched. You know, there's a lot of people just being like, I'm chewing the scenery. I And I think that sort of <laughs> adds to the whole thing. Uh, I do think, you know, because I'm not a kid and because I was watching it sort of as a rewatch for this podcast, it does drag a little bit at times. It's not like exciting the whole time, but I don't know, man, I I liked watching it. Even if I was watching it to go, what the fuck is going on right now? I still had a good time watching. Oh yeah. Same. I, uh, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I, not that I was like blown away by this movie, but like, I didn't find this movie like tedious to watch, which is more than I can say for the next one. Oh, interesting. I, uh, Oh man, that I, I want to get to that soon. That uh, yeah, I agree. I did not find this tedious to watch. I, I I don't think what you know what I would recommend it to is there are definitely people listening who have kids who like spooky stuff. You know, maybe they're not straight up watching gore films yet, but they like like things that are a bit spookier. Uh, try this out, see how it goes. You know, they might think it's cornball. They might not find it as upsetting as as we do. But my guess is most humans would watch this and go at least at minimum that's fucking weird man you know what i mean like yeah at minimum you're gonna think that's a little weird it's a little creepy uh but i i wonder if some kids might end up loving it if they already have a taste for you know the more spooky things you know yeah so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk about uh the i i just realized this is directed by the same guy who did uh don't look now Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) So when we come back, we're going to talk about 1990s dark fantasy comedy horror film directed by Nicholas Roeg, The Witches. We'll be right back. From the incredible imagination of Jim Henson and director Nicholas Roeg comes a fascinating new fantasy adventure. The Witches. For when a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. Grandma! It's me, Luke! Luke! They turned me into a mouse. Oh, my. Who's the Grand High Witch? 
Join Luke on his remarkable journey. Bye. Now, the witches are on his tail. And he must scurry around their evil plots. Squeak past every danger. Finally setting the trap that will save the world from the witches. And we are back to talk about 1990s dark fantasy comedy horror film, The Witches. Um, a lot of people like this movie. Um, when they did the remake, like, what, three, two, three years ago, everyone, like, lost their shit over it. This is one of those movies that, like, a lot of people, this has, like, a soft, has, like, they have, they have like, a soft spot for this movie. Um, I remember seeing this movie when I was a kid. Um, I don't, I, 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 here's the thing. The only real horrific part in this movie is that scene when the kid turns into a mouse. That, like, it was upsetting. And visually, it was scary because, like, the Grand High Witch looks so fucking frightening. She looks like if a human being would turn into a were-zexies, skexies from the Dark Crystal, that's what she looked like. Like a were-skexies. I think that's right. I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, well, they're both, like, Jim Henson things, so you know how he likes this, like, weird shit. Um, I don't know. I just, this time around, though, I, like, I just, I couldn't just like the the fucking weird peter jackson-esque close-ups of all the witches face and their mouths as they're laughing and all that shit like it just made me like sick to my fucking stomach yeah i i mean i think that might be the point though right like i, think I that's... know but it was just like if it was just that i've been okay with it but then like angelica houston's just like constant shrieking in a bad french accent it just bummed me out Oh, oh, and I'm then so, and, I'm and, sorry, but but then but 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 also hear me out. Like that little kid is so adorable. He's yeah. such a fucking nerdy, adorable little kid. And there's the one scene when he's like, they're mice and they're like trapped in a tree, and the mouse is about to kill them. When he's crying out for his grandmother, that was like activating like my dad panic. And I was like, I can't. I gotta help this kid. <laughs> gotta beat the shit out of that fucking cat. Like, oh god. Um, but I I I, I don't know. Like. Well, okay. I do think this movie does get a lot of. It gets a lot of play, partly because of Nicholas Rogue, right? This is the guy who yeah. directed Walkabout, Don't Look Now, The Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, The Castaway with Oliver Reed, not the Tom Hanks Castaway. Uh, so, you know, he's already. Wait, got... wait, 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 wait. Is it. Is The Castaway with Oliver Reed just the same movie with Oliver Reed instead of Tom Hanks? No. Because that would be fucking phenomenal. No, it's it's a it's a imagine movie. imagine him yelling at Wilson. Imagine Oliver Reed like lamenting Wilson's death. Yeah, I haven't. I actually haven't seen it. We're going to watch it for my Oliver Reed podcast uh, pretty soon. So wait, have you have an to, Oliver Reed podcast? I do. Further reading. Is that new? Yeah, I mean, we've done two episodes. That was the you know, we just did. um Fuck. So we did the first one we did was the Assassination Bureau. Okay. And then we did we just did recently. Why is my brain not working? Uh maybe the episode isn't out yet. I thought it was out though. Uh 
What's Oliver Reed movie? Oh, Three Musketeers. No, it's not out yet. We just did Three Musketeers. Okay. Have you seen Three Musketeers, by the way? I haven't. Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. And Oliver Reed is great in it. Anyways, back to this. So I think this movie gets a lot of play because of that. I also think it's it's a loved Roll doll story. You know, I think the story was pretty well known. So people appreciated that aspect of it. Watching it as someone who hasn't read the Roll doll story. And I like Nicholas Rogue. I don't know that I have the deep affection for him that maybe other people do. Um, I still do kind of like this, actually. I think a little bit more than you do. But I think this kind of movie. So this reminds me less of other horror movies, right? Because I think it's it's for kids and more of other kids movies where everything is pitched up, especially a certain kind of British kids movie. Everything is ridiculous. Everything is pitched up, whatever. Still, I can see why like an eight-year-old kid might love this movie. Like everything is relatable. The witches are bad. The kids are good. The grandma's very good. Yeah. Uh, the, the plot makes sense to a kid, right? And, you know, this kid really gives everything having no idea that he's ever going to stop being a mouse. And then this woman, he, he, this witch he helped, who now is going to be a good witch, Turns him back into a boy at like the last minute. So like, I really like that part. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was. I nice. thought that was yeah. very appealing. Yeah, to, to kids, and so I get all of that. Plus, the chaos at the end with Mister Bean, where everyone's turning into a so, mouse. Man. It's fucking yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's I, just Mr. Bean wandering about with a meat cleaver like, yeah. where are the mice? Bring me the mice! Just trying to chop up every fucking mouse he can find. And you know that all these mice are witches. But, you know, if you don't, you know, it, it's still a crazy scene. A lot of the stuff leading up, setting up to the big witch reveal is actually where I am more on, on point with you. In that there's a lot of lead up in a very Disney way. Even though, uh, I don't think, is this a Disney movie? I don't think this is a Disney movie, right? Um, no, it's Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, even though this isn't a Disney movie, there's a lot of, like, set up to get to the big witch reveal, even though we all fucking know about the witches, you know what I mean? Uh, and then I actually thought the witches in the big meeting, I liked that part of it. But then there's a gap from the meeting of the witches to the big plan of, you know, getting the, they, so, so for the, for those few listening who haven't seen this movie, there's a convention of witches of European witches in England. And they're all at this hotel where our main character is with his grandmother. And uh, he has two pet mice and there are various adventures with the, his own pet mice, which are to me a waste of time. Uh, even though he's a cute kid, it's, it doesn't really help anything. And there's a, it all culminates in this big meeting where Angelica Houston's character, who is the grand witch or whatever, she tells them all her big plan because. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. What would be the male equivalent to the grand witch? I don't know, because in this movie, there doesn't seem to be warlocks, right? Hmm. Would you call them the grand wizard? <laughs> oh, my gosh, you motherfucker. I did not see that coming at all. Okay. <laughs> Uh, she reveals her place. So she's like, there's kids everywhere. First of all, I mean, all this is silly, right? Because actual witches would be like, we can't murder all the fucking kids because then we're going to get, we're going to get got, right? Hey man, don't tell it to a fucking QAnon believer. If, if, if we get all the kids, we will get got, 
right? So no witch would do this. But in the movie, that's what she decides. We fuck all these kids. We're going to get all the kids. What we're going to do is open candy shops. And at the candy shops, we're going to, you know, put stuff in the in the candy to turn the kids into mice. So uh, she, both these kids get turned into mices. And uh, they work with the kid's grandmother to steal some of the serum. And then they put it in the soup, and then all the mice, or the all the witches, eat it and turn it into mice. It's great. Uh, the kitchen stuff with the mouse, I thought was fun and funny. There's some slapstick stuff there that's cool, but a lot of the lead up to that part just was dumb. And there's this random part where the maid is just like stealing stuff, and then she drinks, or no, she puts some of the potion on her neck, and like none of that really mattered. Like there's just a lot of like futzing around. Uh, yeah. between the, those things that just really doesn't feel like it goes anywhere and just felt kind of like, I think as a kid, it feels whimsical and fun. As an adult, I'm like, uh, isn't there a cool witch thing coming up? Get to the cool witch thing. And I think <laughs> in the end, that's the thing, right? We're watching this for a horror podcast. It's a movie that people bring up as like a horror movie for kids. I wanted more witch content other than the witches being ugly having fucked up hands, no hair, and weird feet, right? Which, the part where they're like, you can take your shoes off now, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I get why they gotta take off the wigs, right? I get why Angelica Hughes' character takes off her mask to reveal her fucking crazy rat face, right? Why do they have to take their shoes off again? Being a witch yeah. means you just need everyone to see that you don't have any toes? That was the one part where I was like, okay, come on, y'all. Why are they taking their shoes off? That just seems crazy to me. But then I thought, why am I criticizing the logic of the witches? That doesn't make any sense, and I care about that. Uh, <laughs> still, there's something about this that is also so weirdly British that I find it a little bit charming as well, you know, because there's a bit of a feeling that correct me if I'm wrong here, Justin, but I wonder if part of what's going on is a lot of stuff happens in the movie that's improper, right? And because this movie is so British, I wonder to what extent you're supposed to just be amused that so many improper things are happening. Like, just like that things are happening that are kind of strange in and of themselves and aren't how you would do things properly. And uh, I, I just feel like I don't give a fuck about that, right? I'm I, with you, yeah. I will say the fact that the movie almost ends with both kids being mice is sick. And you know, I do like the part that they get, he gets turned into a child. But, you know, if you're watching this as a kid, you got to go a long fucking time at the end of the movie going, I guess he's just a, a fucking mouse now. Like I just, that's yeah. life. He's when I mouse. was watching this and, and they were like, like, <laughs> I, I think I, I put something on Instagram about it last night, but where's the movie where grandma and Luke as a mouse just travel around America with this fucking address book and they're millions of dollars just like showing up at a witch's door and be like, you thought you escaped, didn't you? Man, and then like they just kill witches. Like, where's that fucking movie? But then you know the good witch shows up, and that was nice. Well, yeah, but I do think like it is worth mentioning. This movie ends with a setup of two vengeful people. I mean, he gets turned into a human, so maybe he's a little less vengeful. But I don't know that that's the case. I think we're supposed to suspect 
that the next day they pack up their fucking house and their millions of dollars and they go to America and start murdering witches or at least which is them awesome which is awesome it's so it's actually so good uh, yeah, the movie's actually cut now that I'm talking about some of the um, stuff I the love this movie <laughs> this movie's amazing I you know I, I it doesn't all work it it has some real low points and I do think it made sense to pick it with the movie that we did. I do wonder if we could have picked something else that is more unintentionally spooky. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have any good ideas, so I'm not saying this was a bad choice, but like, I bet you someone listening to this right now. And if you have an idea, hit us up. Has it has a, an example of a movie that's meant to be for kids or maybe not for kids, but at least meant to be not a horror movie, but is despite their best efforts, kind of a horror movie you know what i mean i think that what's what makes this movie a little less impressive is that it's meant to be a horror movie to some extent maybe not a horror movie but it's meant to be a spooky kids movie and you know in the age of movies like paranormal you know what i mean like there's more horror in paranormal than there is in this fucking thing you know what i mean like yeah monster house has more spooky parts than this and you know but i think at the time this is somewhat you know i think normative for what you could expect from a you know, somewhat spooky story for kids. And, you know, th that's fine. I, I I think maybe a better match, though, where we went in a little less loaded to expect one thing and got another would be a movie that was more like Return to Oz, where they didn't mean it to be upsetting, but oh, shit, oh, no, it's upsetting. You know what I mean? Uh, but I don't have a good option. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I know a movie like that, it's blah. Like, And I don't mean just kind of sad. Like, Secret of Nim is a kid's movie that's darker than it should be. But it's not like Return to Oz. Like, it's not fucking nightmare fuel. It's just a little... Uh, uh, I am going to politely, politely disagree with you and say that The Secret of Nim... Absolutely is nightmare fuel on several levels. Oh my outside of the owl, I do not agree, but that's oh, fine. Okay. Uh, a brief okay. We'll get back. We're gonna get back to the witches. But I'm gonna list the things of the secret of Nim that are terrifying. The scene when they give the rats the fucking medicine and they go through that weird hallucination. Oh yeah, thing. that's true. That's okay. a little weird. The spider is terrifying. The yeah, fact, the fact that Timothy is dying and they're like, oh, what do they need about Timothy? Dragging the cat, how they're like, oh no, he ate your father. He ate him. He murdered and ate him. Um, Jenner looks like a monster the whole time and, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's, the ow! The fucking, ow, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I love Secret of Nim. I don't. I don't think it's Nightmare. I. I think that Secret of Nim is doing what it's supposed to do. I. I think that that is what radicalizing it's a young Justin Lore and into thinking that animals should be sprung free from animal testing laboratories. Yeah, I mean that's fine. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> I think that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, if you guys have an example other than the Secret of Nim, apparently, uh, let us know. But yeah, I think I. I think this is still a a, a fine kids movie. But it did not hold my attention in a sense of awe and terror the way that Return to Oz did. Again, I don't want to overstate the Return to Oz thing because it is still also just a kid's movie. But it just has all this weird shit in it that just is weird and unsettling. This movie should have a little bit more unsettling things in it, quite honestly. It should just yeah. have a one or two more things because it's supposed to be spooky. Return to Oz isn't really supposed to be spooky, not the way that it is, and uh, and this this one it needed a little more spook. It just needed a little bit more like scariness, a little bit more. Uh, 
I wouldn't say like terror, but like maybe a little bit more like um creeping sort of unease, you know? And yeah. it doesn't have that. It's it's too silly and and that's fine. And I think it works for being silly. And I get why people have so much nostalgia for it, but I just think it it wasn't really what we needed for this episode to some extent. Though I will say you're right. When he turns into the mouse, it's fucked. I do also think it's crazy that he gets his tail cut and he's just like, ah, and then when, when he gets up, he's like, hey, you got to cut my tail. Like, I think when you cut the end off a mouse's tail, he's not like, oh, man, it's like I got a paper cut. Like, the kid treats his tail getting cut, like, not fully off, but a chunk of it cut off, like he scraped his knee or some shit. Oh, yeah. I think it's a bit more traumatic. I mean, his, his, t- his tail gets cut off. A chunk of it gets cut off in the movie. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this guy hurt a little bit, whatever. I'm like, there's no way. I mean, yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. But I just think that whole part, I was like, he would be fucking, he would be in the grandma's purse going, ah, my fucking tail, <laughs> man. My fucking tail, I'm fucking dying in here. That was a reservoir. I was making a reservoir dog surf. Yeah, I, I thought I thought I was talking to a young Tim Roth for a second. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm fucking dying. That part, his accent is not great, that whole movie. But the part where he's yelling at the other cop. It falls apart more than any other oh, part it's of great. the movie. It, you're just like, what accent are you even trying in this scene? <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, anything else about the witches? I mean, you're right, Angelica Houston. This is the worst thing I've ever seen her do. Yeah. And and again, this is a movie I enjoy to some extent. Uh, I'm not saying it's a terrible movie or anything like that. But like, all she's asked to do is do a terrible accent and yell. And I just think that's not a good use of Angelica Houston. I get that she looks like a witch. Like, I get that. Sure. But, I mean, we didn't want her to do any acting in this movie. Like, she doesn't do <laughs> the, the grandma has more range in this movie than Angelica Houston. It's, it's yeah. really kind of a bummer. Yeah. And the mouse. How? This is the other thing I want to say. The mouse puppets, right? We get shots of the mice in her bag, right? The mice puppets are too expressive. They're too good, actually. That's that's Jim Henson. That's Jim Henson making giving his animals eyebrows and shit. And like it's too considering how I get that this is a Henson thing. Right. But not all of the special effects in the movie are that amazing. The fact that I was getting sincere emotions off of these puppet mice was kind of fucking me up, if I'm being honest. And I'm with you. Every time we get a close up of the mice and the mice are like acting like not the kid because the kid is charming no matter what the the one the nice kid i forget his name uh but the shitty kid the kid who i what was the shitty kid's name bruno bruno the mouse bruno is a better actor than the kid bruno (laughs) it's just a fucking fact man yeah you get more range from the puppet bruno than you get from that shitty little kid uh and and at the end when he says to the good witch don't forget bruno i was like i literally said to suze Movie would be better if she said, oh, I, I was I was just about to say that we don't know for a fact. She's just like she makes the jerk off hand motion. It's like, OK, I won't <laughs> just oh, Bruno. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely going to go help Bruno. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Bruno's the worst. He's the worst part of the movie, actually. Not a joke. He's the, I need them to kid. use real butter and not margarine. Like, fuck you. All right, so I think that's the episode. I mean, when they turned Bruno into a mouse, I thought, the witches aren't so bad. Yeah, they're okay. Why are we persecuting these poor witches? I mean, side note, I will say, 
this is mostly a pro witch podcast, right? And so we are pro witches. This yes. is kind of a of a propaganda hit piece. Like witches don't have witches have toes. They don't have fucked up hands. They don't want to poison all children, just a lot of children. You know? Just the ones that deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Which Bruno you have to ask happen. yourself, what what did Bruno do that was, what what made him, um, his parents don't give a fuck, oh god, his parents are monsters. Um, his parents barely notice he's gone, right? Like, they don't even care what's happened to him until the very end. And then they're straight up like, well, he's a little bit better as a mouse, it's fine. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, well, that's the witches. Thank you for always, always. Thank you as always for listening. Um, be sure to head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks to sign up to become a patron. Um, thank you, Chris and LVAC. Uh, thank you, Aaron and Essex Coffee Roasters, and thank you, Sharky and Mechanical Shark Media. Um, so until next time, it's kind of funny that Marjorie Taylor Greene got kicked out of the Freedom Caucus, even though she's the craziest person alive. Yeah, all because she was mean to fucking Lauren Boebert. Like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Craziness. These people are crazy. Fuck them all. Fuck them all. Okay. All right. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!